0: You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy Last we left Joseph, um, he was in charge of Potiphar's household, right? In that last story, he showed loyalty to God and his master, Potiphar, in that story. Because um, the Potiphar's wife wanted to get with Joseph, and he was like, nope, that ain't the right thing to do. So he said, nope, uh, which then led to her being angry, and he got framed by the jaded wife. Uh, Joseph then gets thrown down into prison, which kind of symbolizes a pit, if you will. We saw that that was a retelling of that story. Uh, And then what, I don't remember if Rob talked about this or not last week, but uh, what happens after that is Joseph gets put in charge of the prison by the warden. So Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's household, and now he is in charge of the prison. He was in charge of his dad's household, and then he was in charge of Potiphar's household as a slave, and then he was in charge of the prison. He's still in charge, but he's moving down in the world. This is a descending sort of sort of scenario that we got going on. In fact, uh, that, that last chapter ends with, uh, it says the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Yeah. It seems like he gave him success. He's now in prison. Super successful, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then, and then we left with this quote last week. We, we had this quote from Foreman about second chances and, and it was, it finished with the, is it an opportunity that we've been given a chance to fix something? We find ourselves locked in our own prisons of time. And we have this, this opportunity, this chance to fix something. And what I, what I ask is, what is Joseph getting the chance to fix because he does the right thing. He's loyal. He's on, he honors God. He does the right thing. He's honorable. He's loyal. He's faithful to Potiphar, even though it doesn't appear that way to Potiphar because he gets framed, but he appears loyal. What's he been given the chance to fix though? It doesn't seem because he ends up in this prison. It seems wrong. Short end of the stick. So I'm left with that question after last week. Maybe we'll find the answer this week. So we dive into Genesis 40 in the first seven verses of that, I'll, i them. It says Pharaoh's cup, ba- cup and the baker, uh, the baker and the, and the brewer get, uh, thrown into prison. Pharaoh's mad at him. They both have weird dreams and they wake up and they look bummed out and Joseph asks them what's up because Joseph's in charge of the prison. So there he's in charge of them. And we pick it up in verse eight. They say, we both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes. I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what that means, Joseph says. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. He doesn't want to be there. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put into a dungeon a jail. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream on my head were three baskets of bread on the top basket. There were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what that means. Joseph said, the three baskets are three days consistency within three days. Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. Oof, that sucks. And the birds will eat away your flesh. Ah, cherry on top, perfect. That's what we wanted. Now the third day, <laughs> it doesn't give us the reaction of the baker. Like, uh, just sorry, dude. That's what it is. <laughs> now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. That's I, that's just punny. Uh-huh. He lifted up the chief baker's hat. Mm morbid, but funny. Uh, He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand, just like Joseph had said, but he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. And then the last verse of this chapter, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Oof break down what just happened. Joseph's in prison. He translates two dreams. He gives credit to God, right? It's consistent with the last story that we just had with Potiphar. He gives credit to God. This is that loyalty showing up again, even though he's in this prison, even though his circumstances suck, they're terrible. He's still loyal to God. He's still set upon doing the right thing. And we also see intimacy with his relationship with God. I, I, I pull this from the fact that he still hears and he's still able to interpret. He's not disconnected from God. He's leaning into this loyalty. I see some intimacy in that relationship. He's been forced into this terrible situation. And what is he relying on? He's relying on God. And then we also see a callback to two dreams, which if we remember back to week two of the series, Joseph gets sold into slavery That whole thing kind of had some dreams at the beginning of it, right? A couple of dreams, two dreams. I don't know. That might be prepping us for something. Might be a hint in the text there. I think that it's kind of a call out that Joseph has not lost any favor with God. He hasn't lost an ability. God's not mad at him. Yeah, he's in prison. Yeah, his life has had this kind of downward trend recently for the last 13 years or so but he has not lost favor with God. God's not mad at him. We don't see that anywhere. He's not being punished. So maybe a question to ask of the text and ponder as you read through this is, is Joseph still trusting the interpretation of the dreams that God gave him about his family bowing down at this point? Put yourself in Joseph's shoes do you still trust that? Do you trust that story? I don't know if I would at that point. Let's remind ourselves of the larger narrative of what we've seen so far. So we've got Joseph is sold into slavery. And then the week after that, we talked about Judah and Tamar, which was a, there was echoes in Judah and Tamar of the Joseph being sold into slavery story, right? There's these echoes that call us back to that. And then the week after that, we talked about Joseph and Potiphar and there was more echoes. It was this retelling because there was goats and cloaks in both of these stories. There was a scapegoat for Jesus, for uh, Joseph and Potiphar, but there's these cloaks right involved in both of these stories and all of these things that pull us back into that original story of Joseph being sold into slavery. But both of these are kind of redemptive. These stories we, we, even though Joseph ends up in the pit, still a little redemptive. He did the right thing. We'll talk about that more. Let's talk about what happens next in the story for Joseph. Let's go into chapter 41 of Genesis with Pharaoh. Pharaoh enters the scene, right? You guys are familiar with this. Uh, Verses one through 18, I'll I'll summarize that is uh, two full years pass. So he gets forgot about and he's in prison for two more years. That's a long time. It's a long time. And it's, it's two full years. Text is very specific there. Uh, Pharaoh has a couple of weird dreams and is troubled. First dream, there's seven bad cows getting uh, uh, that are swallowing seven good cows. In the second dream, there's seven bad corn that swallow up seven good corn. I'm not sure how corn swallows other corn. I would probably be troubled. If I had a dream in which corn was swallowing other corn, I would also be troubled. Uh, That's fair, Uh, I think, or Pharaoh. Oh, none of uh, so Pharaoh's troubled, but then none of the magicians or the wise guys in Egypt can translate this dream. They none of them know what's going on. They're like, I have no idea, this is weird. Corn eating corn, uh, who knows, right? <clears throat> so, none of them can do this. And the chief cupbearer at that moment, the light bulb comes on and he remembers, he remembers Joseph and that he interpreted this dream correctly, he nailed it two for two. Now, Joseph doesn't know that he was two for two. He just knows that he got forgotten about. Maybe he thinks that he got, uh, maybe he he thinks he got it wrong and both of them died. I don't know. Uh, That's an interesting thought. But we pick it up in verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he quickly, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Stop, pause, the dungeon. In the Hebrew... Earlier, remember we said the dungeon? It's translated more like the jail. Here, the dungeon, that Hebrew, they change the word. It's, they don't call it the same thing. It's the pit. Hint, hint much, perhaps. The next next phrase here is when he shaved and changed his clothes. Pause. Does this remind you about anything that might have happened? back in the sale of Joseph into slavery. We had a pit and now he's, he's getting clothes versus he had something stripped from him, right? Previously when he was thrown into a pit. Okay. Uh, and then he came before Pharaoh. That's the next phrase. And for this, you have an authority figure who is summoning Joseph to come to him which is the opposite again of what happened in the sale of Joseph into slavery. It's reversed completely because when Joseph was sold into slavery, his dad, Jacob sends him on this doomed mission to go check on his brothers that he never comes back from in this Pharaoh, an authority figure, a father figure, if you will, is calling him to him. It's reversing it again. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said that you, uh, I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Pause. We have a father figure who is telling Joseph about a dream. That is the reverse, the opposite of Joseph telling a father figure about a dream. Are we seeing the pattern yet? Like this is, this is so cool. Followed by, we have a dream that's impossible to interpret. We have this crazy wild dream that nobody understands. And that is juxtaposed. If we go back to that original story of Joseph being sold into slavery, what type of dreams did he have? They were blatantly, glaringly, stupidly hit you in the face. Obvious, right? Like, I had this wheat and it was bowing down before me. I was the wheat. I was the wheat that was getting bowed to. And all of you were the other wheats. It was blatantly obvious because it was seven you know, it was 12 brothers and they're all bowing there, you know, with the brothers. And then the next one with the father, like everybody gets this. We have an easy to understand dream. We have an impossible to interpret dream. This story is completely reversed. It's been turned on its head. So cool. Why is it calling us back to this? Let's keep going uh, Joseph answers. He says, I cannot do it. Not a great translation on the NIVs part. We'll talk about that in a minute, but Joseph replied to the Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. God's going to give Joseph, uh, Pharaoh the answer he desires. This is, once again, Joseph is giving God the credit. Joseph is showing his loyalty to his heavenly father question. How would you have answered? You've just been forgotten in prison for two more years. You've been in slavery. This is 13 years at this point of this descending, like life has been sucking. And there's been glimpses like, yeah, you keep getting put in charge of stuff, but it seems like every time you get put in charge of stuff, like things go badly and things get worse, right? And then the Pharaoh, the most powerful guy in the land, the president calls you up and says, Hey, I've heard you're good at this. How do you answer? You say, sure. It's on my resume. I'll give it a shot. Sure. No, Joseph gives credit. He's like, no, I can't do it, but God, God can do it. This is like his, this is the golden ticket to get out of this. Like, this is the reversal. If you're Joseph, you're thinking, I just wanted out of prison. I didn't know that, like, I didn't realize I was going to come before Pharaoh, like a presidential pardon. I would have gone for a prison break at this point, probably. Joseph answers with loyalty, with faithfulness, with trustworthiness towards his heavenly father. So in 17 through 32 of that chapter, Pharaoh tells Joseph about the dream, uh, about the good and the bad cows. Pharaoh tells Joseph about the dream, about the good and the bad corn. Joseph explains the meaning. He's like, these two are the same dreams. We got seven bountiful years coming, followed by seven terrible years that are going to suck, like the famine of all famines. It's going to annihilate our memory of the good years. Joseph said, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. And that even, even in the, even he's, he's still pointing back. He's like, yeah, God showed, he's showing you what to do. God's talking to you through this. And then he finishes by saying that the dream was given in two forms because it's for sure happening and soon. We pick it up in 33. It says, and now Pharaoh... Uh, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning, this is Joseph talking and let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food and all the good years that are coming and store up all the grain under the authority of the Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come up to come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined in the famine pause. Joseph is already done interpreting. This is not in the dream. This is Joseph just giving a plan off the cuff saying, all right, here's what that means. Here's what your dream meant, Pharaoh. Here's my recommendation on what you do. This is leadership skills on display. This is why Joseph keeps getting put in charge of stuff. Of course he keeps getting, he's he's coming up with a three point plan or whatever on the fly saying, all right, here's how we fix this Pharaoh. This is why his dad, Potiphar and the jailer all put him in charge. This is Joseph's design shining through text continues. It says the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Right? I wonder where we can find one of these guys. (laughs) To that, I would say, when you live out your design through the lens of the kingdom, right? Joseph is living out his design as a, a talented leader. And he's doing it submitted, wholly submitted to God. When you do that, you put God on display. And when you do that, people notice. Everyone around you notices. Because Joseph, Pharaoh asked this kind of, it seems rhetorical possibly in the text. Like, can we find anyone like this? I don't know where they could be. Or maybe he's just genuinely asking and it takes him a second to realize. Like, yeah, no, we, we got nobody. Like, we already determined nobody could translate this. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning, so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Shoot, dang. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took a signet ring from his finger. That's something that you might do for your son. And put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, more clothes. If this isn't calling us back to him being clothed than some, like a coat of many colors or a special cloak. Like this story is so in your face about the fact that these are connected. These are interwebbed. Uh, Gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as the second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Esther reference there, maybe. Thus, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And this, this, this verse here, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. We don't catch this. Um, But this phrase here, but without your word, Pharaoh uses the exact phrase, the exact like wordage that Joseph used earlier. See back in verse 16, when Joseph says, I I cannot translate, I I can't translate this, but God can a better translation might be, it it is not I, but God, this, it is not I, that phrase in Hebrew, it's the same word. And Pharaoh is calling back to that. He's quoting Joseph back to him. That moment when Joseph was being loyal to God, Pharaoh is quoting it back to him. Pharaoh saw that loyalty. He saw that trustworthiness And it makes Joseph stand out. It shines through. Pharaoh is remembering that loyalty and it, it, he sees that and he's like, that's the type of person I want second in command. That's who I want in charge. So we had Joseph translating Pharaoh's dream. He gets new clothes from Pharaoh. Pharaoh kind of becomes a father figure. This is setting up a tension that we'll talk about in later weeks. Uh, with this father thing, Joseph gives credit for dream interpretation to God. Authentic loyalty has this way of shining through all the time. And even two years later, after feeling like he got forgotten, that was his like best shot to get out of there, right? This might be my chance. He gets forgotten about. Gut punch. Even two years later, he's still being faithful. He's still loyal to God. And then Pharaoh quotes this back, like it's so on the nose that this loyalty, this, this fact that, that Joseph, this character of Joseph is shining through. And it's so important to this story. Joseph is so loyal to his heavenly father that it impresses Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I, I want me some of that. We get more daddy issues with Pharaoh putting him in charge of everything. That's going to come up later. I promise you write that down. And then all of this comes because he replays the events of the day of his sale redemptively. This story is pulling us back. If you remember, we've, we've had two repetitions. This is the third repetition. It's like groundhog's day. Bill Murray is waking up the same way, except for this time it's it backwards. Right. Joseph makes this redemptive choice with Potiphar's wife. In that previous story, that one redemptive choice that we heard about last week, where he's like, nope, I'm going to do the right thing. That sets into motion all of this stuff. And it takes a long time to play out, over two years. But it sets Joseph on this redemptive path, that one redemptive choice. So let's look at a possible pattern that we see with these last three stories, plus this one. So we had Joseph sold into slavery. We'll call that A. Then we follow that with Judah and Tamar. We had the echoes back with a false recognition, the do you recognize this that was in the text of both of those stories for Judah. And then Judah makes the redemptive choice with Tamar. And it's kind of this redemptive story. He makes the correct choice, kind of retelling his story, his part from selling Joseph into slavery. We get this great admission of you are more righteous than I. So good. Then we get the story of Joseph and Potiphar, which is another echoes back. And we've got this, this possibility for Joseph to kind of, instead of giving bad reports like he had, he's got a chance to be actually loyal, authentic loyalty as just the, as opposed to just the appearance of loyalty. And so he gets this chance to kind of do things over, do things correctly. And he chooses this time to leave the coat behind. He doesn't have it forcibly taken from him. He chooses to leave the coat. He chooses, essentially he chooses to enter the pit of his own volition just because it's the right thing to do. He's not a victim this time. He chooses. He's kind of a victim because he got framed, but, but really this is his, his choice. He's got this authentic loyalty this time. And then we get this story of Pharaoh, this reverse, this reverse version of the selling of Joseph. Joseph which I'm also going to call A because if we have like two semi-redemptive ones in the middle that are kind of like, oh, these are tied in, but we got now kind of an A, B, B, A sort of pattern, which if we remember chiasms and our, our chiasm alarm should be going off in our head saying there might be something there. In all of these echoes and all of these retellings of this story of selling Joseph into slavery, the middle, the, the hinge points are where the characters make the redemptive choice. They make this choice and they choose redemptive paths. Judah makes a redemptive choice and moves his family onto a more redemptive path. Ultimately giving us David, like the the line of Judah, Jesus comes out of this. It's a redemptive path. Joseph makes a redemptive choice and now has set up everything else. And it's setting up the possibility that maybe that original two dreams, maybe those actually do come true. Maybe this isn't so crazy. He's now second in command of the most powerful country on the planet at this point, I think. There's a pattern here. There's something about this redemptive choice that's important. Brings it to, we'll bring it to some implications here. The first one is uh, when we see this from Joseph, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Joseph has his eyes on the prize, so to speak, as far as he's, he's in line with what God wants. He's, he's doing, he's living out his life in a manner that is directed by God. He's being faithful to what he knows God wants him to do. which this should remind us of maybe, maybe something that Jesus said that we've talked about relatively recently. But in Matthew six, the sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Which, okay, pause. This is cool. We have somebody, Jesus saying, "Like, what shall we eat and drink and wear?" what did we just hear about in these stories? We had a, a A baker and a cup bearer eat, drink, and then wear. Oh yeah, Joseph got clothes. Don't know for sure, but that seems like a pretty good remez. Like Jesus might be calling back to this story. Let's see what he does for the pagans. Oh, wait, does this story have some pagans in it? Maybe like, I don't know, Pharaoh. (laughs) Run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Joseph is seeking God's kingdom in this story. And what is, what happens to him? Everything is given to him. Mic drop. Jesus is so cool. <laughs> like, this is just so good. This is just so good. Like, this is such a good Uh, <sighs> <sighs> ah, Just get giddy over it. But, the, but that's what we see in the story. The faithfulness of Joseph, that is what shines through, right? This loyalty, this faithfulness to his God, that's what Pharaoh sees. And it impresses him so much that he puts him in second in command. That's like becoming the vice president of Egypt after you've been in jail on a trumped up marijuana charge or something like that, that would be the modern day retelling of this. And that's what Pharaoh sees. He, he, he sees this faithfulness and it's important to him. It shines through. There's so much that we can draw from that. That should speak to us. Question perhaps for ourselves from this implication is what does Pharaoh see in you? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. If you're in Joseph's shoes, what does Pharaoh see in you? Implication two, often the problems that we are trying to get rid of are part of how God is trying to bring redemption. I hate this implication so much. I don't know why this always happens to me, but I get to preach on things that suck. For Logan personally, fantastic. Cool. Let's do this yet again. We'll see if we can do it two weeks in a row. Why not? But this week, the problems that we are trying to get rid of are often part of what God is trying to bring redemption to. Okay. Joseph gets forgotten in the jail, in the pit. He wants out, but it is not the right time. It is not God's time. So the question, maybe for yourself, is when was the last time that you felt like God had forgotten you? This is why I hate this implication. Because it smacks me in the face. I don't know if you guys know this or not. Here at Mission Ridge, we've had a rough couple of years. It's been a it's been an uphill it feels like Logan in Missoula planting a church, being a part of this kind of feels like hauling water uphill without a bucket. Right? This is it's been rough. It's been frustrating. And I, I don't know when I first started really kind of, I don't know. I've, I've been wrestling with this for a while. I've been kind of, you know, butting heads with God over this for a hot minute. Um, of this kind of like, why? Why, why, why any of the, why, why COVID? Why any of this stuff? Why does it feel like we just keep smacking? Why, why am I beating my face on a wall? Constantly, that's what it feels like. At least the last six months, it's been rough where I've just been really kind of frustrated and really kind of arguing with God and trying and not really hearing anything. Other than that dream interpretation, like, I don't know, Joseph probably didn't hear from God all that much. The text doesn't say anything. He's just sitting there in the quiet, just waiting. I imagine that Joseph is probably having a lot of those similar thoughts honestly. But what, what I will tell you is this, this story of Joseph should give you some hope the next time that you find yourself in this situation or if you're in this situation. Because if you're taking care of implication number one, seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness, if you're taking care of that part, then what this story tells me is that you can sit there and you can take care of that part and you can rest assured that God is taking care of his part. God is at work while you are depressed, while you're angry, while you're tired, while you're irritated, while you're bored, while you're frustrated, aggravated, stymied, and stifled. And I just stopped listing words at that point, but we probably could go on. This story tells me that I can sit here in the middle of this and I can say, yeah, I'm feeling all those things. But all I have to do is I have to focus on that implication. Number one, I just have to seek God's kingdom and righteousness. I need to just sit here and focus on that and trust that God's going to take care of his part. And this story tells me that God will take care of his part. And it'll probably be something that I don't even comprehend, honestly. At least it was for Joseph. Takes us to implication number three, which is your part is to make the redemptive choice. Sometimes without knowing how it fits in the larger picture. Which is also frustrating. Especially for somebody who who likes to control things. And is perfectionistic. And likes to understand how things work and fit together. And see the entire score. I don't know anybody like that. The larger narrative that we are seeing where Joseph sold, and then we see this redemptive stories, and then we see the, the undoing, if you will, of this story of Joseph. It shows us just how important those redemptive choices can be. They are the hinge point of this story of Joseph. They turn everything around. They're God saying, yeah, this was a hot mess, but we're gonna undo the messiness of your family and this dysfunction. We're gonna start to bring that back around. We're gonna turn this around and we're gonna change things for your entire family, Joseph. These redemptive choices are huge. Joseph makes that redemptive choice. He ends up becoming the vice president of Egypt. I'm just calling it that. That's, what, that's the position we're giving him. We're calling it that. Except for maybe more because... He actually does stuff. I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys debate that. Maybe care group, that icebreaker for care group. Maybe not. I'm regretting everything. It's fine. Egypt become. he becomes a big guy in Egypt. We'll we'll, we'll walk that back. But I'll tell you what, he for sure did not see that coming. There was, there's no way, there's no way he was sitting in prison saying, yeah, no, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to be the VP. I'm going to be in charge. Right hand man of Pharaoh for sure. No, I think he probably just wanted to be out of prison. Be like, oh man, slavery sounds pretty good about now. Sounds pretty good. Back in Potiphar's house. It was all right. This redemptive choice was huge. Turns everything around. So for us, when we make that redemptive choice, that looks like seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness. These implications are just all on top of each other. It's looking for that. When I'm seeking the kingdom, when I'm seeking his righteousness, I'm going to see the opportunities to make those redemptive choices. And I'll add this one little bit here of this understanding and evaluating where those redemptive choices might be. Like I, if, if I'm going to make the redemptive choice, I need to understand where that might occur. I need to know what that is, right? Because if the choice, if I'm presented with it, if I haven't thought about how can I be redemptive, I imagine Joseph was sitting there for years after being sold into slavery thinking, man, did I do something? What did I do wrong? Like, why did my brothers hate me so much? I imagine he probably deconstructed that situation in his head over and over and over and over and over. He probably thought about the fact that, yeah, no, dad did favor me. And I kind of rubbed that in their faces and I brought back those bad reports. Ah, Well, that wasn't right. I wasn't loyal to my brothers. I, I, I I was using them to get dad's favor, which I already had. I can imagine Joseph sitting there for years doing that. understanding your history, evaluating your history and where you've come from and the decisions that you've made and how those played out and the decisions that come down through the generations of your family. That's why we threw the genogram for Joseph up there because it helps us understand what's driving him. Understanding those things, hugely beneficial. To help with this implication, to know where the redemptive choices are, I would use that genogram. I would use those tools. I would talk through things in your life transforming group. And the the T in LTG is life transforming. It's supposed to be like, we're supposed to be wrestling with that stuff. And we figure out like, okay, I'm trying to make this choice and being able to help see where those redemptive choices might be. Because the redemptive choices are huge. Joseph makes the redemptive choice and it sets into motion these huge, huge ramifications all through the rest of the Bible, frankly, can be traced back to Joseph making a redemptive choice. The entire nation of Israel. One redemptive choice. So seek first God's kingdom and find that redemptive choice that you can make. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at MissionRidge.Church/give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in. Um, lastly, what we- last we left Joseph? There we go. I can speak.